Gosh, well, amen and amen to that. You can be seated. I, I could sing that song all day, every day. I think there's something powerful that when our story is rooted in the character of God, is rooted in God's grace and mercy towards us, our story is rooted in the future hope when God's going to make all wrongs right. Gosh, in this moment of chaos and anxiety and depression and challenge, we can just sit and go, it is well with my soul. Thanks, Alicia. You know, I actually need that song a little bit more these days. I, uh, I'm firmly in midlife, and uh, my kids are finishing up their high school career, and I have more gray hair than, like, regular colored hair all over my body these days, and it's messing me up, right? And so I, I had lunch with a friend of mine, and we we're both commiserating about this season of life together, and being like, gosh, remember in our 30s, and the nostalgia is always different because 30-year-olds would not say this, but looking back, like, gosh, in our 30s, we had the a whole world was in front of us. You know, all the things were great. And now we're in midlife going, gosh, what are we going to do? And then you look, and thankfully you're part of a multi-generational church. You look at some of the saints who are down the road a little bit longer in their 70s and 80s, and they're like, hey, it's all going to be okay. Listen, young man, relax. Right, Anka? <laughs> exactly. But in this middle ground, no, it's just anxiety and challenge, and you just feel the midlife crisis coming at you, you know? And uh, as a man, I don't want that to happen. And so there's only a few, seems like, the options for the midlife person. And uh, you look at the men who've gone before, and it seems like the very clear path is the History Channel. Like, I don't know why that's the case, but for some reason, the History Channel has found to be like the safe place for middle-aged men to try to figure out this later season of life. And so in my attempt, I've jumped on the History Channel bandwagon. I'm like all about World War II history, like all the good old men in front of me. And I've been mesmerized. If you watch that channel, like what happened? Like all the stories, all the things are incredible. Well, I came across this operation that has just been blowing my mind. The operation is called Operation Dynamo. And like no one knows what Operation Dynamo is, but you may know it from... Uh, it's called, uh, was the Battle of Dunkirk. And there's a big movie about it. That's how most of us get our history from. But the Battle of Dunkirk was this incredible operation. And what happened was, it was the very beginning of World War II and the, um, the British troops invaded France. And they were going to like, with this huge force. And they were going to go in and just, you know, kick butt and, and wipe this thing out really, really quick. Well, what ends up happening, of course, they get put on their heels, and they retreat all the way back to the city of Dunkirk, and there's 400,000 military personnel on this beach with German forces in front of them and the ocean behind them. 400,000 people. And, um, and this is a huge operation. And so like, we got to get these people off the beach, back to England and regroup and figure out, because if the Germans would have advanced and wiped out basically the whole, this whole part of the, the, the British army, the war would have been set back for, for a good long time, right? So they said, all right, let's call in all the ships. Now, if you're thinking you're in charge, you're, you're on the phone with the Navy, you're bringing in the biggest, the baddest, the destroyers. And you're like, man, we can just take all those people in a few ships. It'll be great. Well, where they were located, there wasn't any place for these giant ships to happen. The, the Navy was also scattered all over the place. And these men are trapped on the beach. And so what they did is they did this incredible thing is they put out the call to all people in London with sailing ships, with any sort of boat, with any sort of yacht, with any sort of vessel. If you had a boat, your job, the country needed you to go into service to go and rescue 400,000 army personnel on this beach across the channel. Now imagine... You're just this old guy smoking a pipe in a pub, how I imagine old British dudes in the 1940s living, right? And you got this nice little boat and you can hold like 12 people and it's just your little family boat. And you're like, whoa, that sounds awful. 400,000 people that need to be rescued. This is a huge feat. I'm going to be praying for those guys, <laughs> right? Praying for whoever's, whoever God's going to use to rescue all those people. Well, what's, what I love about this story 
is that old guy with the pipe in the pub is like, no, you're the man. Your little boat with 12 whole people is actually part of the solution. You couldn't just wait for the Navy, for the strong man, for the, the, the strong woman, the, the person that's going to save the day. That wasn't the case. They needed actual old guys with their little boats. So a flotilla of 800 ships. And sure enough, the Navy did bring in their giant vessels, but even the giant vessels couldn't dock. They needed the little ships to get people from the beaches onto these ships. It was just an incredible operation. It took almost an entire week and over 368,000 men were, were um, rescued. Isn't that incredible? I mean, it's a, I mean, it is an incredible story. And I love that story. Um, I mean, I can't, history's gnarly because those are all real life people, but this picture of it is what's mesmerizing to me is that that's how the kingdom of God is. We all think that God's going to show up with some big, strong man, some big, strong woman. The Navy's going to come in and make the kingdom of God happen. That's what would happen if I was in charge. But that's not what God does. God says, you know what? I need all of you. You are my people. You're my hands. You're my feet. You are my co-laborers. You're my ambassadors. You're my kingdom of priests. You are my people. And I need you, old man, with your little boat to go across the English Channel and do your part. But if for whatever reason, who we are, we're like, my, my boat's not big enough. It doesn't matter. My 12 people, it doesn't matter. My, and we just pray for the other people to do it. And as we're wrapping up this series on the call, this life of discipleship, the last piece of the puzzle is the only way the kingdom of God advances is by each and every one of you and me doing our part. If you have the biggest boat in town, praise God. If your boat is a little guy with 12 people, well, God needs you. God needs every single one of us. And if we don't do our part, the kingdom of God does not advance the way God longs to be. And we in Marin need to know that because it's easy to go, oh, God's doing great stuff all over the world, not in Marin. No, God is doing incredible things here in Marin. And we'll do incredibly more when each of us recognize our boat and get after it. So that's how we're going to wrap up our time this morning. So if you have a Bible, why don't you open up the Bible to Romans chapter 12, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, and then the Rome, letter to the Romans. And if you have a Bible in front of you, if you have that page number, why don't you yell that out um, so that we can all find it together. Romans chapter 12. I'm sorry, Acts and then Romans. Look at me. I went to seminary once. Okay. All right, here we go. This is Romans chapter, what was the number? I'm sorry. Thanks, Rhiannon. 1137. That woman has some kids. She knows how to take care of business. All right. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Gosh, amen to that. What an incredible paragraph in this whole book. But I love it because Paul just leaves it all on the table in one short paragraph. And I just think if we could embrace what Paul is trying to say, oh my goodness, the kingdom cannot help but advance. So I love the, the statement right out of the gate says, think of yourself with sober judgment. That's kind of a weird term. And what's interesting is when all of us look into the mirror, we all have some version of dysmorphia. 
we all look into the mirror and see some diminished, broken, dysfunctional, inept version of ourselves. Or sometimes we see some over prideful, over grandiose version of ourselves. But it's a really hard thing to look into the mirror with sober judgment, which means to actually see our true selves, to see the actual way that God sees us. How does God actually see us? When I look into the mirror, who is the person that God sees? And that's why we need to be a part of, uh, come to church, be a part of community, read scripture, because we need to remind ourselves of who we are, right? We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're dearly loved by God. We're made in his image. We're adopted into his family. We're his precious daughters. We're his precious sons. We have this incredible high, ident- I mean, high identity and call. And we've been gifted and tasked, right, with incredible things. We also know there's this shadow side and there's sin and rebellion and grossness inside of us too. And when we look and see ourselves the way Christ sees us, we actually don't need to be scared of that part of who we are. We know that, oh, praise God that Jesus covers all of our sin. He's redeemed us by his work on the cross. When we give our life to him, he actually cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We're marked righteous. And now our, our life gets to move more and more aligned with him, right? We want to see ourselves with sober judgment. And we need to live in community because that spiritual work actually only gets done in community. And what's wild is when I think of my whole life, there's only five people in my whole life, I think, that I'm willing to say, you can reflect back to me in sober judgment. Right? We don't really give people access. Sometimes it's like, you can tell me anything once, one time. Right? We, but, but to keep saying, no, you can look, reflect back to me in sober judgment. Five people. Right? I have my wife. I have Jeff. I have Lisa Bennett. I have a friend of mine from college and a friend of mine, uh, I guess another friend, he's from college too, but he lives closer, right? And those are the only people that, I mean, can really lay it out for me. And what's interesting is, I mean, I have plenty of people telling me where I'm wrong, so don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is these people are people who know me, who know the way that God's made me, who are for me, who want me to be all that God wired me to be, are willing to affirm the gifts in me, are willing to correct the, the, the things that are misfires in me, right? And we, if we're going to be all that God has for us, if we're going to own our identity and our call in Christ, then we need to make sure we have people in our life who are willing to reflect back with sober judgment. And so I just encourage you, gosh, to find some of those people in your life, but again, make sure that they are people who love you and are for you and want God's best for you. So that's the first thing we need. We need to think of ourselves with sober judgment. The second thing that's important to know is that we're all um, made with, we're all many parts, but we're Sorry, I'm trying to do too many things. We're all many different parts, but we make up one body. And there's this thing that we, that we do that we just compare ourselves all the time. We're all the feet. And all the feet get together and we all look at who has the better, best feet. Right? Do not realize that, no, we are all unique and different. And what happens is when we realize that we are unique and different, all of a sudden there gets to be this joy. Because if you really understood that you are the only you, like the body of Christ is so complex, not just a foot. I mean, you are a very unique molecule or cell, or I don't even know how to explain it, but you are very unique. And without you, the whole body doesn't function the way that it needs. And when you go, oh my goodness, the body of Christ needs my unique thing I bring to the table. All of a sudden there's this joy, like, oh, I better make sure I do it. My boat is needed. I better make sure I'm prepared and ready to be all that God has for me. Right? And we go, okay, this is who I am. And what happens is when we start to have joy about who God made us, then our natural tendency is then to have humility around other people. I mean, you're about to have Thanksgiving with people who see the world very differently than you. And uh, we have forgotten how to have interactions and how to have conversations. And what's wild is people see the world very different from each other. 
Christians encounter God very differently and have different hearts and passions around things. And instead of being like, you need to be like me and I'm going to drop the hammer on you. Oh my goodness, God needs you to be you. But then you get to be curious about, oh my goodness. Wow, why did God make you that way? That's my prayer. You have a more whole version of that, right? But what does that look like? And you get to be curious and you get to help discern and think about and be, it's okay to let them be different than you because God's working out their thing with them. God needs you to be fully you. What I love is, you know, Jeff and I were, were both middle-aged white guy pastors. Jeff's just a hair older than I am. But, you know, we, we're both lead pastors and we often dress similarly. We'll show up to work wearing the same clothes, basically. And uh, it goes, look at those two guys. They're basically the same. And in some sense, we, I mean, we're definitely in the same part of the body. But Jeff and I are wired totally differently. We have totally different giftings, different passions, different callings. And something we're going to do a little bit later in the service is we're going to think about what is the unique calling that God has given you? What is the unique thing that God has wired you to do? And as our pastors, we have to like spend like more than two minutes in the service to do this. We spend like a lot of time doing this. But I thought it'd be really fun and encouraging, especially to hear from Jeff. But this is like, we're so wiredly different um, that this is our descriptors. This is Jeff's. That God has uniquely designed Jeff to live with a full, adventurous, joyful heart out of which he can lead, inspire, influence, and influence people towards experiencing Jesus. Isn't that Jeff? Totally, right? And if Jeff never said that out loud, if you had to describe me, like, oh, that's what it is, right? But what's what's so fun is when you do the work and you own who you are, all of a sudden you're like, oh, this this context needs someone to inspire. That's my job. That's what I bring. Here we go, right? He goes on to say, he's gifted and called me to do this in two main ways, teaching, communicating biblical life truths in both large and small settings, and as an authentic, strategic, intuitive, careful, and courageous leader. And I just blew off like these like six words right there, but you know how Jeff is wired. Each one of those words matter. They're deep, they're rich, they're complex, and they matter so that when he shows up in any situation, he's like, oh, this is the kind of leader I am. Oh, when this decision needs to happen, this is the kind of leader I am. Right? That's how God made Jeff. This is how God made me. This is the way I came up with this, answer this question. I wrote, I'm uniquely created by God to live a heart forward, fully devoted life in Jesus in grateful response to who he is and for the generous ways he's extended grace and mercy to me. So that my, that's my posture. My posture is, oh, I live this in response to who God, well, who God is and what he's done for me. And then I found two ways that this works itself out. One, I'm called in this specific place to lead the church with Jeff through this cultural transition and make it sustainable for generations to come by leveraging my leadership, administration, and strategy gifts. Now, if we all were differently, I'd be so bummed because actually I want to inspire and, uh, you know, and influence people and be careful. I'm not those, I mean, none of those things. But I have this unique lane that the way God wired me that I'm thinking about, you know, not just now, but 10 years and 30 years from now, how are we doing that, right? And I find joy when I get to use my wisdom and encouragement gifts to equip and empower others to fully employ their unique contributions to the body of Christ in healthy and sustainable ways. And what's fun is when you do that work, what ends up happening is now I have coffee with a person and I get to be discerning and am I just hanging out like having coffee and shooting the breeze? Or like all of a sudden they start wrestling with something, trying to figure out, gosh, what is God doing in me? And, and what, what are, what's my next step? And also I'm like, oh my goodness, God, you made me for this coffee. Like you made me to be able to hear this person and actually walk through what, God, what you might have next with them. And all of a sudden, instead of being sheepish about it, I'm like, well, I'll pray for you. All of a sudden I get my boat and I'm like, whoa, okay, this is the time, right? And so what we want, and that's just Jeff and I, this is our little lane, but we want all of us, our whole church 
every single person who calls themselves a Christian to know, oh my goodness, you have been uniquely gifted, uniquely called by God. And when you know that, you walk into every room, like Shelley said last week, and you raise the spiritual temperature because you know who you are and what you bring, and then you let it rip. And here's the last thing, um, the, the way that ended, right? If, if you are called to prophesy, then prophesy. If you're called to give, give. If you're called to extend mercy, give mercy, right? Basically, figure out what you're called to do and then just do it. I love this picture of Serena Williams, right? Like this, her face, like, I know I'm like this basic white guy, but in my heart, I am Serena Williams. Like in my heart, I want to be like, oh, when you know this is what God made you to do and then you get to do it, like that is the face, like, I've been called by God to crush people in tennis. Like, that's what I do. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, and like, it was so fun. I, I mean, I ended up spending like 30 minutes on Google, like looking at all these pictures of Serena Williams, like, dude, she dominates. Her face crushes, right? Because she crushes, she goes, this is what I've been made to do. And I think that God is, that's what God's invited us to be, that he wants our hearts to, be, to look like that to not be sheepish, to not be insecure, to not be like, oh, I don't know what I do. God, I'll pray for people who are better, more equipped. No, but for all of us to have the Serena Williams inside of us, like, that's what I do. Oh, prophesying, that's what I do. Giving, that's what I do. Serving, that's what I do. Strategic leadership for the future generation of the church, boom, that's what I do. Uh, right? <laughs> or whatever the thing is. So that's the thing. So what we're going to do is we actually want to make space because my whole job is to figure out what I'm supposed to do, but it, it doesn't matter. The, for the church to move forward is for you to figure out the unique way that God has wired you to do and then to do it. And so we made this little worksheet. As you can tell, I made it. My, one of my skills of graphic design is in front of you. And we're just going to walk through this little um, worksheet together. This is our homework last week. Some of you are A-plus students. You've done it already. Some of you barely made it through high school, and that's okay. And that's why we're going to walk through it together as a group project. Um, but the, this is just the beginning. This is the tip of the iceberg. At the end of the day, the dream and hope is that you would just embrace, ah, oh, this is who you made me to do, God. This is my boat, and I'm going to do it, right? Gosh. Okay, so let's do this. I'm going to, so it begins like this. This is our passion, that each of you have an incredible privilege and joy of coming to understand the unique way that God has wired you so that you can leverage who you are for the kingdom of God, for that is what you're made for. So there's a couple questions here, and I'm going to give you two whole minutes, okay? Now here's the deal, you're like, I'm at church, I need to be reflective, I need a day retreat. I mean, maybe, but not really. Like, this is what God, you've known you your whole life. You know who you are. This is word association. If I say hot, you say? <laughs> nice, pre prepared, I like that. Okay, so you have two whole minutes. Your job is to complete these sentences, okay? All right, so on your mark, get set, go. And while you're writing those down, I almost forgot. If you're in the online community, you can go to the resource page. Joyce also has the link to all these questions. And so she can put that link up there and you can answer these questions as well. And then when we answer them in the online chat, you can, Joyce is going to facilitate that for you.
All right, 20 more seconds. Oh my gosh, really? Well, I mean, you guys want to stay here until two? I got all day. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for this next part, for the service to work, you actually gonna have to open your mouth and engage with me a little bit, okay? So we're doing a little group uh, facilitation time. And so what I'd love for you to do is I'm gonna ask one of these, um, I'm gonna say one of these statements and your job is to stand up and complete the statement, okay? And we're only just gonna do a couple, but just to kind of get a, ta- a flavor, we'll see how different we all are, but how incredible it is too. So we'll start with number one. I feel like I am thriving with God when I... So who feels bold enough to go first and to complete that sentence? Awesome, Denise. When you worship, yes. And thanks for doing that too. Good. What else? I feel like I'm thriving with God when I, yeah. When you serve others. Yep, that's true. What else? When you connect with another person. Yeah, good. When you share the gospel. Good. You know, what's so fun is we all like are different. Like you're like, how would you not experience God this way? And then someone else is like, well, yeah, I guess, but I really experienced this way, right? So fun. All right. I love this question. People know I love them when? Hmm. How would you complete that sentence? People know I love them when? When you smile at them. Yep. When I spend time and listen to them. When you spend time with them. Yeah. And listen to them. Good. Yeah, thanks, Cheryl. Entertain them. I like it. Someone last service said, oh, yep, Christina. Yeah, when I take time to listen, no matter how long. That's a good caveat, because I'm like, I got 12 minutes. That's good. Someone last service, I thought it was brilliant. When I tell them, I'm like, oh, good, good. All right, here's another one. I'm above average at. I'm above average at. Being loud. <laughs> That's one of many things, I guess, Rhiannon. Yeah, good. What else? What? Foghorns. Foghorns. I thought you were going to say water sports, but both unique. Yes, thanks, David. <laughs> what else? I'm above average at. Reading people. Reading people. Gosh, that's a good skill. Good. Working with middle school kids. Thank you. <laughs> Working with middle school kids, yes. Hospitality. Hospitality, yeah. Thanks, Rhiannon. Organizing, yep. That's so fun. You start realizing we're so different. Like some of these things, I'm like, I'm awful at that. I can't believe someone's like, that's my thing, right? So what happens is you begin to get a through line. You begin to get a, a sense of like, oh my goodness, I find I'm closest to God when I do this. I actually experience God's pleasure when I do this. I'm actually uniquely above average at these things. People around me, because the ministry is actually people ministry. So people feel loved when I do these things, right? You take all those data points and then all of a sudden you begin to have some sense of, oh, what is it that God's called me to do? So this part, this next step is a little, uh, the next step of investment and uh, for you. But I'd love for you to think about how to answer this question. God has uniquely designed me to. And you're gonna have three whole minutes to write the down. Like, How am I gonna do that in three minutes? Well, I'm telling you, we've done this a number of different times. You'll be surprised with what you can come up with in three and a half minutes. First gathering crushed it. I think you guys are the real service. So you guys, I'm sure are gonna do a great job. So just think, how has God uniquely designed me to? Jeff and I, I read you our statements. Next uh, in this paper are just normal people. Normal people who just come to church, who love God, who just spend a little bit of time thinking about what did God uniquely make them to do? 
And this is their statement. Okay, so we got two and a half minutes now because I'm going to be done talking and then we're going to share those. Go. Twenty more seconds. Understand this is a little bit of a harder ask, but wondering if any of you be willing to share your statement. And I just think it's a really beautiful thing when you're willing to say, gosh, this is the unique way that God wired me. And we all know you've had two and a half minutes, so there's no judgment. We just get to be inspired by you beginning to mine out who this person is. So you want to go first, Denise? Okay, you got to say it really loud. And so really quickly, and people online, if you guys want to just type out yours and you can share, and Joyce will facilitate that. So go ahead. I love that. And what's so fun, by just in two and a half minutes, really? Star student, I love that. And what's so fun is all of a sudden you find yourself in a context and there's like some middle school girls around and you're like, oh, I guess it's me. This is my people. I love that. Good. Who else would be willing to share? Yep, Doug. I love that. Thanks, Doug. That's incredible. Two and a half minutes. This is, I, I was right about this service. I knew it. Good. Yep. Adrian. Okay, we got to say, turn around and say it really loud so Stacy can hear you in the back. Uh, God has uniquely designed me to be a people person, to be adaptable, to have joy and radiate it so others experience it, to serve, to be passionate sensitive, and to love mightily. I love that. Love mightily. Serena Williams of loving. <laughs> I love it. Yep. Laura. To encourage others, be 
Awesome. Thank you. Isn't that funny? Two and a half minutes of just being quiet. Imagine if you gave yourself a half hour or even an hour to go, okay, God, how did you uniquely wire me? And what's so fun is the more time you put into it, the more you actually get to be encouraged. Your sober judgment going, this is who God made me to be. And what's wild is all of a sudden you're going to find yourself in situations where God has uniquely wired you to be uniquely a benefit in that situation, right? Gosh, what a gift. Okay, the last thing that we're going to do, and really we're just giving you a taste. And any work you want to do this on your own, we encourage it. Any meeting with us pastoral team to do this with you, this is the best part of our job. Well, that and talking about payroll, right, Rudy? Super fun. Okay, second best part of our job. Okay, so what we're going to do is you have two whole minutes, okay? But, and you can see I gave you very little space, which I apologize. Not everyone has handwriting like me. So you can take a, uh, a little card in front of you. But I'd like you in just two and a half minutes to articulate a prayer. And this prayer can, as there's, there's two options. One option is a two-part prayer, which is, God, thank you for making me like this. Will you help activate that here? Some version of that. It's a two-parter. Just a grateful heart that God uniquely made you a certain way. And maybe some ways that you're part of the Holy Spirit to activate that. Or your other option is, gosh, I have no idea. I'm lost. Not sure what this is all about. Then you get to have some expression, dealer's choice with whatever you want to do there, okay? But everyone should just write something down in that little space or in a white card in front of you in the next two minutes. Okay, go. more seconds. Okay. Put your pens down unless your name isn't on them, then make sure your name's on it, okay? Then tear off this piece of paper, okay? I want you to tear off this little bit of paper or take the little white card in front of you. So do that really quickly. And then I want you to show me. A little, uh, show me a little paper. Show me that you did it, Roger. All right, so everyone should have a little piece of paper like this. Nice work. Awesome. Thanks, Roger. Roger did it. It's the most David rule follower. I love it. Something like, no way. Awesome. Okay, so you have a sheet of paper. Okay, never had a little sheet of paper? All right, let's all hold it up together now that we've all done it. Look at us all having a piece of paper, okay? This paper just simply is a little marker. It's right, it's just a reminder. Oh my goodness, this is your Dunkirk book. You are uniquely crafted by God to do something incredible for his kingdom. God needs you. I love it. I'm not a... I can't remember as much as, as Jeff anymore, but I wrote it down too, right? I loved Albert, Alfred's prayer. I need your life, right? 
This isn't just like a spiritual exercise, like, huh, I'm going to pray for those guys. Oh my goodness, God. No, he needs your life. Your heart is very important. God needs you to be activated. If we're going to do this life of discipleship, the call that Jesus has for us, then it matters that each of us understand how God uniquely made us and that we put it into play because it doesn't matter how big your boat is, your boat matters. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. In a minute, I'm going to pray and then we're going to spend some time in worship. But you have this little piece of paper. You are not supposed to have this piece of paper. You know who's supposed to have this piece of paper is me. Okay, so the way that I'm going to get that piece of paper is I'm going to invite our ministry leaders and some people from leadership team are going to stand around this room And during these next couple worship songs, you're going to take this little piece of paper and you're going to exchange it. You're going to go to them. They're just going to take this little piece of paper. They're going to read your name. They're going to read your prayer. And they're going to pray for you. And if you have a little rebellious prayer or I have a no, I don't know prayer, then they're going to say your little name and pray a little prayer over you about that. Not little, like in a condescending way, just like in in a nice, safe, great way. Okay? Because the idea is that we, all of us, are called to be part of the body of Christ. All of us are called to be activated for the kingdom of God. And so for the next couple songs, you're just going to find someone on our staff team, give them your card, and then let them pray for you. Sound good? All right, let's stand together. Let me pray for us. And then over these next two songs, you can find somebody to give them your card. Heavenly Father, and our gracious God, what a gift that you love us. And when we look into the mirror with sober judgment, when we see ourselves through your eyes, I pray that you'd wipe away all the scales, all the gunk, all the bad tapes, all the family of origin garbage, all of our sin, all of our rebellion, all of that stuff that gets in the way so that we can see how we've been fearfully and wonderfully made, how you've called us to raise the spiritual temperature in the room, to be your children, your partners, your co-laborers. Let us not worry about those around us. Let us not compare with those around us but let us be joy-filled for the unique way that you've wired us, for the unique person you put in front of us. And may we advance your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And all of God's kids said, amen and amen. Okay, go get rid of these little cards.